Hello, everybody. Today you have Jake and Seth, and we're going to discuss the 2008 American martial arts film, Horitan, by David Mamet, and with an all-star cast starring uh, Chuenna Giafor, Tim Allen, Alice Braga, Randy Couture, Ricky Jay, Joe Montagna, Emily Mortimer, uh, and Max Martini. This film was made on a budget of $7 million. It only made $2.7 million in the box office, which is not good. Definitely, I mean, not a huge loss there at only seven, but but that's a loss. Uh, however, it did have a pretty nice reception from Rotten Tomatoes. It's got a 68% of Rotten Tomatoes with a 6.3 average. That basically means it lines up, like basically two out of three people like the film. Um, I, all I'll say is uh, for me coming into this film, it, I hadn't heard of it, which I'm surprised about. Like that wasn't, this came out when I was in college and, basically dedicating 80% of my time to watching movies or reading about them. Um, not that that means anything, but just surprised I hadn't heard of it, especially with this cast. Uh, I don't think, I think they had some interesting choices in how they use the cast, but what I'll say is I really liked it. Um, I, get, I apologize if I mispronounced Chiwetel Ejiofor. He's, I love him. I should know his name. He's an incredible actor. I loved him in this performance. Um, there, there was a lot to like, um, I kind of said enough though. That that's kind of my temper. I, I liked it. I, I I think a lot of the performances kind of made up for some other things that might have been wrong in the film or warts. But I really liked it. So yeah, an interesting choice. I a really interesting choice. A really great choice though too. I'm I'm really glad I saw it. Okay, yeah. I thought I was thinking you might like it. Um, again, I, I personally I just kind of have an affinity for the for these manic screenplays and just his way of doing dialogue. And so it doesn't surprise me it didn't do well at the box office though. It was a movie that just seemed to kind of slip through the cracks at the time. And like, I know I watched it like as a rental and that was cause I like, I knew who David Mamet was. And like, you know, I had known about like Gary Glenn Ross and House of Games and those kind of movies. This is a movie that uses a lot of his like stock actors, you know, Joe Montana, Ricky Jay, those type of guys are just like Mamet guys kind of, you know, some directors just have actors that they use a lot. And, and so it's like, you know, I think they fit in pretty well to the movie, and they like they kind of know how to deliver his dialogue for the most part. A Giafor was like I I don't I don't think I knew who he was before this movie, and he really blew. I mean, he really impressed me with this role. You can see the dedication he had to kind of like learning jujitsu and the martial arts aspect of it. I think he did a ton of training before the movie to kind of get into that. I know that David Mamet himself had like this six year phase where he really got into jujitsu. And so this movie kind of comes out of that phase where it's like, it was, I think it was kind of a personal hobby of his. And then he kind of found a way to like write a screenplay about kind of that whole world and everything. Um, I do think there's some unbelievable like aspects about the screenplay at some points, but like you said, a lot of the acting and the performances, I think kind of make up for some of the boards. And like, if you're not completely paying attention to everything, it, it's easy to kind of lose all the different plot points and all the different kind of like machinations of the movie. And, but, but like I said, if you actually are paying attention to everything, I think some aspects of it are a little bit unbelievable, um, particularly kind of in the third act. Um, but a GF4's performance as like this instructor and the way he imparts the knowledge um, of jujitsu and martial arts and kind of like, it's much more of like a self-defense thing in, in real life as a, and like, I just, I, I thought his role was you know, whether he's working with the police officer or whether he's working with the former rape victim who's kind of like a, a timid woman, you know, he can really teach them skills that were valuable to their lives. And that, you know, I think Mamet and G4 just kind of nailed that aspect of the movie. I like, you, you 
per usual, nailed what articulated what I want to say about the Ageo 4 performance. Um, I, I say we just kind of stay there. Like, let's focus on that for a minute. Like, so he, he's Mike, he is Mike Terry. He is the head of the dojo. Um, excuse me. I, I think that's the right term. I apologize if it's not, but he, he's the, the head. I actually, I'm pretty sure it is the dojo. Um, I think it is, yeah. And the movie basically starts off, he's teaching a class and Max Martini is a, we find out a cop and his ex, like he is a current student. He is a, used to be a bouncer at some place. Um, but he's a prize student. Uh, but even from the beginning, like it, this woman is lost. She wanders in off the street. She's asking for help. They're trying to help her. And then she just grabs a gun that's nearby and fires it. Like, and I, strange thing happens. Life, sometimes life yeah. is stranger than fiction. Yeah. And like, as someone who's been in Boston, driving to Boston for a few, few years now, there are times where that could happen to me because I get lost and I'm just freaking out. And like, uh, I, this doesn't take place in Boston, but just saying, I know road rage is a real thing. People can act crazy. So like, okay, but everything starts off like that's kind of kicks off everything. And it comes yeah. back in a weird way too. And it's um, like, there are a lot of subplots that they lay some better than others, but it's a, I really, the reason I started that, I'm not going to go through it line by line item, but the reason I started with that was even though it gets kind of off to a clunky start, that initial like 10 minutes in the dojo, was really important because as you, you kind of mentioned, like it talks about like, the philosophy. It's like really there. Like that's the philosophy of the film. That's his philosophy. That, and that is the rest of the film is the tension of the world trying to get him to move off his philosophy, whether it's his wife, right. the people he works with. It's just, like, everyone is trying to help break him. Like he's being pushed on all sides off of the center, off of the stance. And it's cool. We'll, say, we'll get into that as we go, but it's really cool. And I like that. And so, it is not a typical action narrative. It's really more of like a character study on him. And uh, the one thing is he really, in a lot of ways, is like it's not written as a superhero film, but he is like a superhero almost. Like he even has like almost a secret identity where oh, don't tell anyone. Like people seem to know who he is, like know his name, but nobody seems to know who he is. Like he's like in terms of right. his reputation and like. Well, that trainer, everyone knows who he is in the business, but like nobody actually knows about him. And it's like, he's got this weird kind of mystique to him and he's just an incredible fighter. Like, and it's, and so, and he has a morality, he has like a moral compass. And so it just what was interesting. They do a really great job of establishing the film and they make him, they make him a principled person, but not quite holier than thou. Like, we'll get into some of the characterization issues yeah, I think there are later on. It's like, you're right. They, they set up his kind of basic philosophy and his morals early on really well. And they, like, really ascend. And so it's like, you're right. The rest of the movie is kind of like everything trying to work him off of that and trying to make him give up on his morals or his philosophies. And, yeah, I mean, I, there, there's certain things Mammoth does to just give him that message. Like, there's a line I love where, like, he's on a movie set and he sees them kind of doing some uh, theatrical like fighting and stuff. And the, the guy kind of recognizes him and he's like, oh, did you tell me you're in the army? And he was like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, did you tell me what you did? And Mike's like, no. And they just leave it at that. And so automatically as the viewer, you're like, what did he do in the army? Like, what, what did he do? Like when he was in, it's like stuff like that is really juicy. 
and like you don't need to go into a big explanation you just kind of leave it and like that's why man you know has won a pulitzer in writing and stuff it's because like you just need the tip of the iceberg there and then you can just imagine what what this guy did when he was in the army and so and like you know they, they give you that bar fight early on too so that you can kind of see you know it's like you have the dojo scene and then you see him kind of put his stuff into action in that bar fight which is also i you know i think in a different movie that could be overdone or set up the wrong way but I think it is a pretty believable way they set that up where it's like Tim Allen's kind of this drunk actor. Somebody kind of wants to like, you know, give him some shit. There ends up being a little bit of a bar fight and Mike gets involved. And I love what he says to the cop too. He was like, I never threw a punch. It was totally self-defense. And they're all watching the video and he just kind of walks out. But it's like, that's a really cool moment too. And so it's like, you see the way he uses jujitsu, you know, he wasn't the aggressor in the fight, but he did put an end to everything. And he kind of like saved Tim Allen from the situation. And then again, that kind of plays into more of like the con games that happened to him later on, which whether they're believable or not, I get that's kind of more of the Mamettian side of the movie where the, the whole like con aspect that happens to him. And we can kind of get into that, but it's like, that's kind of the aspect of the movie. I find a little bit less believable, even though it is like, I won't say it's done poorly. It's just kind of done so complexly that I don't think it has quite the effect like Mamet was hoping for on the viewer. I agree. I'm happy to. I'm happy to to move. And the one thing I just want to quickly know is I read some of the reviews where it seems like people didn't like a lot of the action scenes. Um, we'll. I'll save the finale. I think some of the finale had some issues. We'll get into that later. But I thought the beginning, like the training, the opening into the dojo when he's like training with Max Martini, that first fight at the bar, and even like when he when he spars with the guy at, on the movie set, like yeah. I enjoyed yeah. those. I thought those were. Did it was it was it uh Matt Damon in a Bourne movie? No, but like it doesn't need what did it wasn't like John Wick esque, but it wasn't supposed to be. It was supposed to be more realistic. And do you know what it yeah. looked like? It looked like I was watching two guys fighting or sparring or in yeah. each of the things. So I like that. It, I don't need it. I don't need like wires and kung fu kicks everywhere. Like if to me it worked. And one of the things that I liked about the scenes. I, there wasn't a lot of there might have been no music or background or score but i like how like they kind of let the when those fights happened it's the natural sounds of the fight or the scuffle or it's like and i like that it, it just kind of added a level of realism to it that, that i enjoyed and pulled me into those fights yeah i think the fights are supposed to have a, a much more realistic aspect than a lot of other movie combat might have and so and it's like this is supposed to be like this is how a policeman would fight this is how you'd like end a bar fight and it's like the the stuff that you're seeing is not supposed to be you know like you said like a born movie or like a, a comic book movie it's like the, he's not going to do a flying spider-man kick it's like you know it, this is something that you're supposed to be able to use in like a practical situation and so in that i i like you said i, I enjoyed the combat of the movie a lot and i did i did i mean i'm not a jujitsu expert but i did find it pretty realistic the stuff he's teaching his students you know there's always an escape there's always a way out of the situation obviously that's a metaphor for life itself and so you know that comes into play as well but just you know what he's teaching i thought was very practical and stuff that like you know that the common man could use in, in, in like different situations do we want to move into some of those because i feel like the right from that point in the film, like the first 30 minutes, then you start moving into some of the like schemes that are going on. Um, so, yeah, and I mean, it's hard. I mean, we could try to piece it all together here, but it's like, what I would say is from the beginning, you kind of know he's not making a lot of money on, on his dojo. His wife keeps telling him, you know, your, your checks are going to bounce. Um, and like, you know, it doesn't surprise me. He's not making a lot of money with the dojo, you know, in modern times. And so, 
but it's also like he kind of again he kind of has this principled aspect to himself where he's going to keep running his business but he saves tim allen who's an actor from a bar fight he gets invited to a dinner by tim allen um and then he gets like a lab he gets this watch as a gift for kind of saving him his wife makes connections with tim allen's wife in terms of like making fabric and it seems like they're on the up and up and that they're you know suddenly Tim Allen wants him to work on the set of a movie and be a producer and help him out. And, you know, the wife is going to use fabric to kind of make dresses to help, you know, these other women, but then everything is kind of, there's a dinner with like Joe Montana. And after he gives the watch to this cop friend who pawns it, that it finds out they're hot. It's a hot watch. Again, there's some complexities in here. It's hard to kind of encapsulate it all, but basically Joe Montana brushes him off in a dinner and everything is kind of taken away. Yeah, like the, the fabric doesn't come through, leaving the wife in the bind. Um, he the, the watch gets stolen. The cop, like, for, we're getting it. The cop gets in trouble. They, they try and clear it up with Joe Montana, but they don't clear it up. It just gets worse. And then, and this is my question. I'm sorry, I cut you off. But the one thing I had, like, because really, after that point, Tim Allen and his wife don't come back. Like, what? Uh, yeah, but you only see Tim Allen for like two or three scenes. Yeah. And what I didn't understand was, were they like behind this, pushing the Joe Montana character, or were they just oblivious and Joe Montana was using them? So what I what I think I figured out on my last watching, um, Mike kind of does that thing at the end of the dinner where he holds up the white marble and the black marble, and he says, you know, if you draw black marble, you get you know, you get a disadvantage. If you get a white marble, you get to fight cleanly. Joe Montaigne is at that dinner and he kind of steals that idea, right? He realizes like, oh, we could use this with our fighting competition to fix fights much more easily. And then, and Ricky G, Jay kind of plays the fight promoter. And so he's the one that kind of steals this idea. And that's how this whole lawsuit kind of situation happens where Mike Terry ends up using the woman that shot the bullet to be his lawyer. But she says that, you know, he had this idea and you guys took it. And Montana is the guy that's kind of the connection between that dinner and Ricky Jay, who's the fight promoter. And at one point he walks in on the lawyer's meeting and that's how they, they like make that connection. Again, it's kind of a small part of the movie and it happens pretty quickly, but it's, I don't think it's Tim Allen that's setting him up. I think it's Montana and Ricky Jay that are really the ones that are putting the squeeze on them. And they also, that guy that runs the bar that wasn't paying the cop who was a bouncer at that bar they realize they all know that Mike Terry's a good fighter. And so they kind of do all this stuff to force him into fighting, which is the part that I find to be a little bit unbelievable where it's like, why are you doing all of these things to get this guy to fight in a thing where it's like, maybe you could just pay him some money for that idea he had and go about your day. But it's like, they go to all this trouble to get Mike to fight in the competition. That was okay. That thank you. That, that was as I'm in confusion with. But okay, that it makes more sense if it's just Joe Montana's Jerry Weiss doing it and like Tim Allen just being an oblivious guy. But that was where I was confused too. So Rodrigo Santero Santoro plays Bruna Silva, and like this is where it gets so convoluted. He is the Max Martini, who is the prize student and a cop. He was his former boss, stiffed him. By the way, you don't stiff a cop. Like, that wouldn't happen. Like, I just don't know right. how that happened. Like, come on. Um, but also, in addition to running a bar, just so happens to run a mixed martial arts tournament. Like, I, I didn't... Like, there's a whole scene with, like, him and, like, the Ricky J character, and they're talking about the, the champion's belt 
which is like, I'm not trying to be rude. They're like, it costs $250,000 and it's a national treasure. A national treasure costs more than $250,000. I'm sorry. Like, it, I do that. Like, that, so I, my t- I don't know if they, he ran the, I, I felt like Ricky Jay ran the competition and that Bruno was like a cousin of that martial arts guy that was like the champion or something. Like, he was, he somehow was related to that guy. He's also like the brother of Mike's uh, wife, uh, is what I took. And so, I, that I knew, but I, I like that, yeah. like even right there, how confusing is that? Like, and <laughs> where the reason I'm happy to that, the reason I'm diving into these and I want to go through, we don't need to go through all of them, but like even right there, we're like yeah. at 30 minutes into the, we're at 40 minutes into the movie right now. We're not even right. like, there's weirder stuff to come. And uh, the one thing I'll say it's to me, this felt like it would have been a better play or almost like a, yeah, right. like I feel like with the play, a lot of the more like, it's easier to blend surreal and like realistic in a play for what, I don't know. That's not my, that's my opinion. And I would even say like a show, there's so many subplots here. Like you can make the whole like lawyer, you can make the whole legal fight, like an entire episode. Uh, but that's a whole other thing. Like it goes into the legal, basically there's all that. And then to counter, to basically stop Mike, uh, don't they also steal his training? Like they steal his like authentic training that he was going to give them for the movie, and he's trying to get that well, back. That was about the Marvel thing, but the, what what really like the the thing that's kind of the clincher for for him to go into the the fighting part is that the cop kills himself, and instead of re- revealing that he got this watch, this is actually the part that I find the most unbelievable. This is the it's dumbest that, part of the movie, and not to take suicide lightly, I don't at all. But this no, is yeah, treated so it's like, it's just, poorly. It, 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 they went they went too far with that aspect of it, and it's like. Instead of giving up the honor of the academy, this police officer decides to commit suicide and leaves his wife with like a million bills that she can't pay. And she goes to Mike and she's like, "Are you going to pay these bills? Like, who's going?" It's like it's a dramatic scene, but again, I don't think the motivation was really there for this cop to kill himself over a hot watch to protect his martial arts teacher. I mean, again, I just think he would have done what he had to do to help his family and his wife and so but that's the that aspect of the of the film is really what propels mike to be like i need to get money for this wife and, and to settle all my debts and everything and you know again both he and his wife go into debt because tim allen and his wife have kind of turned their back on their deals with them and so all of a sudden he's in a huge financial bind and he needs to do this fight and it's kind of like again if you're if you're paying super close attention to everything and you're grasping all these odds and ends and subplots it just becomes a that's the, actually the aspect of the movie that's very unbelievable to me <laughs> very much the, he is a cop mind this is 10 years ago cops are cops are getting in trouble for it now cops could shoot people and not get in any trouble this guy pawned a stolen watch by the way a cop knows where it, to pawn it was it. stolen yeah, it was a watch that was given to him also that doesn't happen like a pawn shop wouldn't like that wouldn't do that and even if it came up, like, again, there's so many big things going on. The idea that this cop would, one, get in trouble for a watch is crazy enough. Two, kill himself over a yeah. watch? And it's like he brought dishonor. Yeah, he, he didn't get in trouble over it. Like, I don't think he'd go to that point. Yeah. And then what, what I didn't like was I didn't like how they handled it afterwards. The wife wasn't even crying. It literally, it's like so, like, she's like, what? Who's going to pay for these bills? Who's gonna, like, who? Her husband's dead and she's talking about bills, like, not even crying. She wasn't even. She was just so, she was more angry at Mike and it was just so weird. Like that was one of the parts for the film for me where I was kind of like, oh, there it is. Like that, like, 
I, I was wondering why this film didn't get have it like a bigger like and, and then it was the end and the other thing that got me was everything you just said like a lot of the film is building up towards him entering the fight and one of the things i will say is like this film does a good job of subverting expectations but at the same time he doesn't even enter the fight like he fights there but he didn't he's not even part I don't know if we want to go there yet, but for me, around this part of the film is really when it started to lose me. Like that suicide, like, and I, I still like like the ending works, but even then, it's like it felt honestly the last third of the film almost felt like a different film, and then it, it like it kind of feels like it just is weird, like weird choices. Well, and then it's like they also reveal it that you know he he sees the magician in the room doing the trick with balls and he realizes that everything's fixed and they really kind of like use his idea then he goes and talks to ricky jay and he finds out that his wife his own wife was in on it too and that's that's like oh my gosh like why would they go to such trouble to get this guy to fight in this thing and it's such a shakespearean tragedy like your own wife betrayed you like what it's just there's just too much done i mean sure he's a good fighter and i like i think even the viewer recognizes that but to go to those lengths to get him to fight in this thing it's just too far um but anyway like even getting past all that then you finally get to the climax of the movie where he he gets slapped in the face by his lawyer and he decides to kind of be like fuck it i'm going in there to like blow it all up basically is what he says and he fights off like 12 cops and bouncers on his way over to the ring and then eventually he has to fight like the champion of mixed martial arts, but it's kind of like this side fight in like a, a causeway, I guess I would say, as Randy Couture kind of like realizes what's going on. But it's one of the bizarre, it's just a bizarre setting for the last fight where it's like, it's not in the ring. It's on the side of ring. I don't know if Mamet was going for some kind of metaphor there where it's like, you know, Mike's not the guy, the type of guy that would ever do like a, a combat fight in the ring. He has some line about it before where it's like, that's not what it's about or something. But I don't, I don't quite understand why he chose that setting for the final fight. I did think the final fight, it wasn't terrible. Like it was, it was interesting to watch the whole aspect of the professor being in the stands and then giving up the red belt afterwards. Um, I don't know. What did you make it? What did you make of the whole climax, Jake? <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty much right. Sounds like we're like in lockstep. I I liked it. Once I realized, obviously, the movie was about to end, I realized what was happening. I was like, oh, okay. Like, I thought he was going to have to join and win it and then give it to the guy. I was like, oh. And then it just keeps going. And then I was like, oh, he's going to beat up this guy and he's going to, they'll be like, well, we need someone to fight. So then they'll push you in. My head's just going like, these are just ideas all happening in like 10 yeah. seconds. Because yeah. then I realized that he is fighting his way through the arena. And <laughs> And then I was like, I liked it. Um, I will say the, 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 this is where some of the realism hurt them. And this is a fight that really did not look good because there are certain times where they're filming it from like where the announcers are like or in like the press box. And it's just like, it, it was a weird decision in some of those shots he chose to show that. Um, and the thing that bothered me was how the hell did the professor have any idea what's going on? For anyone who was not watching the film, they saw a crazy man attack security and like beat the shit out of all these like competitors and nobody's frightened. Like nobody's worried about this strange man who's just beat up 30 people and you're going to like let him into the ring. Like, oh, of course he won. Give it to him. And that was like one of the parts where like this film was tried so hard to be so realistic. And it was, and it's like, it is realistic. Like even though some of the more weird plot elements, like, it all held 
what will occur in a very grounded world? I the whole time I was thinking was like, what if like someone just jumped on the a field in the Super Bowl, sacked the quarterback, and everyone carried him off on their shoulders. Like, well, I, I just, it was so out there. And again, as the movie goer, I totally got it and made sense. But why would all of these people be cheering him? They don't know who he is. He is a crazy man off the street who just won the belt. Like, I just blows my mind. The thing, the thing I noticed in that final fight that bothers me the most is if you're, I, I feel like I, I kind of know enough about sort of camera tricks to kind of realize this stuff sometimes, but. Mamet's doing a really, really, he's, he's taking a lot of time to not show the crowd. And I don't think that he had a full crowd in that arena or wherever it is. And if you notice, it's pretty tight shots of the professor or of that lawyer in the stands. And there's some people around them, but you never get that overview shot of like the whole arena and everything going on. And so the way he's shooting it is really to cover up the fact that there isn't a crowd in the stands. And even, even on, on Mike's walk up into the ring, you never see kind of the stands behind him or anything. And so it, that started to kind of bug me a little bit. And, and so I, I kind of, I mean, my take on some of the, those shots in the final sequence is that he's just trying to make sure you don't realize that there's no people in the stands. And like, I mean, I get it. Like you have a low budget. It's kind of an indie movie. You know, you, I guess he couldn't afford for that or whatever, but it does kind of take away. I think you could have done a lot more dynamic camera shooting um, with, with that scene and stuff. And so, but I think he's kind of, He's doing a cover-up job of something he doesn't want to show, and so that that aspect I think takes him away. The whole thing with the professor, I mean, I get, I, I totally agree with what, what you're saying. Like, if you're watching this, you have no idea who this guy is. You think it's just a fight that's broken out on the side of the ring. I don't know why anyone would cheer for it, but my my guess is you're supposed to think the professor knows so much about jujitsu and combat that when he sees this fight and he sees Mike's final escape where he does this run up a wall and gets out of it and then beats the other guy, it it was such a brilliant move for the professor that he he gave up his red belt and he was like that's what like jujitsu is or something and like it doesn't matter if it's a guy off the street or if it's a guy in the ring you know that's what his teachings were about right? and again. I don't believe that, but I do think it's like, it's a, I mean, I like that. I like that. I like the ending. I mean, I like the fact that he gives up his red belt to a guy that genuinely like wins a fight for the right reasons. And so, in some weird way it did kind of work for me. (laughs) I am going to lean here on a film critic. I'm going to James Bertinelli. I'm sure you've heard of, he said it best because I I was having such a hard time because as I was like doing the final accounting, I was looking, I was like, okay, I've got a lot of gripes. Like, normally I kind of do this weird arithmetic. I'm like, I, I should apparently hate this film based on all the problems I had with it, but I didn't. Like, I like it. I'm, yeah. I'm going to give it a high score. And then, so I, as I was going through Wikipedia, so I, I had to, I'm going to, par- not paraphrase, quoting James Berdinelli or Beardinelli. The plot is borderline ridiculous and certainly doesn't stand up to close or not even not so close scrutiny. But there's a level of entertainment to be had watching it unfold and all of its strangeness. But also, taken at face value, there's a degree of satisfaction in the way Red Belt concludes. And for me, that was like... Yeah, that's a good take. That's the perfect take. Because, like, as I said, like, I've kind of smashed on some of the old subplots. and But at the same time, they do come in such a way it's kind of hard to know what's going on. So, like... In hindsight, you're like, wow, that was stupid, that was stupid. But during the film, like, it's really, you're just following the character. And so, like, all these plots are kind of just rolling off them. As we said, like, they're all basically forces trying to move him off his center. Um, and they all just kind of wash off him. So, like, you're really just focused with him through this journey. Um, 
<laughs> so it works. Again, I'm not. I don't know why I'm even trying it. He said it better than me. I'm not even gonna say anything else. That that I think is the best yeah, way to describe it. Like I also, yeah, it's like if you get focused on all the all the plot, which it's like normally with the Mammoth movie, that is what you want to dive into. For whatever reason, with this one, it's a little bit too much smoke and mirrors. It's like it's just too much. Like you don't need to be doing all this stuff, and, and especially the whole suicide plot line. Again, that one's the one that sticks out the most for me. But again, if you focus on Gia for and just his performance, and like you said, kind of just following him as a character. I also think the Tim Allen performance is kind of underrated. Um, I thought he's good in the movie, and he's kind of good at portraying kind of a, a disgruntled actor who, you know, is probably overpaid and, like, in movies he doesn't totally understand. And just, like, I just thought that was, like, a pretty good performance for him. Um, I don't know. What, what did you think of him? I liked it, but it felt like he was almost in a different film. Like, he was... Yeah, I, 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 you know, that's unfair. That is unfair. I really liked him in the first scene, like with the Jake Johnson when he gets like picked on. Like, I liked yeah. it because he was, he was like he was hitting on the girl. He wasn't being an asshole, but he was just being like a charm. He was trying to be like a flirty asshole, and then he quickly like he realizes it's not the girl, and he tries to do like the like cool like not a problem. And you get to see like several stages of the character in that one sitting, um, right. and then even afterwards, like. You see even more sympathetic side when you find out like he wanted to get hit. So clearly, he's got all this stuff going on for him, but he's not very happy. It was an interesting role. Um, the reason I said that was more so like as the movie kept going on, like maybe it just was my read. Like I had such a hard time figuring out how much of a role he had in what was going on with the yeah. Joe Montana character, and I just still don't understand if he actually liked Mike. Why did he cut him off? Like there, there, it just. It's more so it's the writing. It's kind of hard to know because it's like all of a sudden they're like cell phones change. And so obviously they had something to do with it or like they had, they were at least told by Montana not to talk to those people anymore or something. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's not, it's a little bit ambiguous as to what Tim Allen and his wife's intentions really were. Because I mean, it seems like Allen genuinely likes Mike when he first gets saved by him. That was my take too. It's, it seemed like a very genuine relationship at first. And we're back, people, talking about Red Belt. So we just talked about the there were very organic reasons for him to have to fight, and it felt like very manufactured reasons for him to have to fight. Um, all valid in, in in the scheme of things, but it, can we just you, put, can I ask you like, do you wish that he actually would have gone into the competition? And like seen at some competition, or do you like that the, the fact that he like he refuses to do that and he kind of like withholds his honor or something? I do like that, and I, I after you saying that, it does make sense why a fight didn't like spill into the ring because that was the whole thing. Like he never fought, like he ended up winning by sticking to his thing. He never fought in the ring, but he still was able to demonstrate everything that was going on. Um, so I, 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 I mean, I, even in the hallway walk, he doesn't attack anybody. Everybody comes at him, and then he like defends himself and takes care of the fight, even with that last guy. And so I, I appreciate that aspect as well, where it's like, he never starts a fight throughout the movie. He's just kind of defending himself. I, I like that as well. It, I, I think I can see a really good movie where he does go into the tournament and they add like, maybe they'd have to re-edit, but like you can easily add 20 minutes and like actually like have him fight a couple people. Like it, it, yeah. And I thought that like, I could that could make for really fun. Clearly, he would be handicapped, and I thought that was going to be it. You'd have to see him fight handicapped, and like, but 
I'm glad they didn't, but at the same time, uh, I would like to see that movie, <laughs> the one where he does go into the tournament and, and he wins it through the tournament. Yeah, I agree. And like, uh, again, I think the screenplay itself probably needed another, re- like, I do think there's a really good movie inside of this movie somewhere. It, I, I just don't think they quite got to like what it was, but like some of the dojo scenes and like some of the scenes with, you know, a GF4, I just think were really good. And so like, you can feel like there is like something happening with this movie, but again, I don't think they got the full potential out of like what they had. No, I just, one of the other gripes I had was just the, this film wants to have romance in it, but I don't think it is where he meant to. And this, this is not coming off anyway as like a knock or meant to be like a, like a snide remark. Um, the romance for me in this film was really between Mike and his student, Joe Collins. Like, and not that's not an attack like, oh, they're gay. Like, I'm not, I mean that, but I mean like the actual like affection of the film. It's like, what do you want to call it? Like, a, maybe romance is the right word. Maybe it's more like the relationship or the development. Like, those are the two people who like are on the level. Like, they like they have a deeper understanding. Granted, it's about the dojo. Um, I guess you could say they don't because the guy killed himself, which is also a disgrace to the dojo. But like to me, like the emotion of the film is between those two characters, which is not a bad thing. But like, I think I mean he has a similar relationship with the lawyer woman, um, who kind of like you know has has this past and, and like is, is nervous about all this stuff, and he kind of helps her like show her some defensive moves that she can use. And so I thought they had, but you're right. I, I do think the relationship between him and the cop. It's, it's this thing of like, you know, it's just kind of this understanding between two people, kind of like that mentor-mentee relationship and the fact that he's helping him be better at his job and just be better at his own life kind of thing. And I, yeah, I, I did like the respect between the two of them. And they had great chemistry. And Emily Mortimer, uh, to be honest, I didn't really like her performance. I, I think it's more so an issue of the writing, not necessarily her, her fault. Um, I like her. I didn't really get a lot of chemistry between her. I, let me rephrase that. She's good. She's, she's fine in the film. I just didn't get a lot of, I didn't get the, uh, like romantic tension. Although to your point, I don't think that's what they're going for. I think it's more like a mentor mentee. Um, but for me, it's like, you have Alice Braga in it too, but like, I never get the idea that Mike and her are in love. Like Mike is, uh, Mike's in love with himself. He's in love with his honor. Like, and like, that is the kind of what I get it. Like, that's not what they're going for, but the other way to look at it. And the, the, you talked about this and like one of the, I think things in the film is kind of like basically profit or principle. And it's like, and she has this, one of the best dialogues is she's kind of going at Mike and that kind of, she's going at him and she's basically like, what's the point of having this principle if you can't feed your family? Like what is, and like part, I, I think the world's very materialistic, but at the same time, what you need to take care of your family. Like you, you have a business, you can't like, you need to like, if you're responsible for things, you need to take care of them. And if you're so like, just do something up, like don't fight, but then maybe get a new job. Like that, that was the one thing where like, it all works out in the end for him. But at the same time, like, let's take a step back and pretend this isn't a movie. And like, I'm Mike's friend or brother or father. I'd be like, you're an idiot, dude. Like, do something different. Your wife's going to divorce you. You're losing money. Like, you've got all these skills. Like, be like, cut the dojo and go train. Like, they actually train. Like, you could be a professional trainer and go train police departments. Like, and 
without going through all that, I'm not going to rewrite the movie, but that was one of the things like, I really liked how that was a core element of the film. And to your point, it makes sense. Like he refused to, he didn't go into the ring. It's profit. It's principle over profit. And I get yeah. that or performance art, whatever you want to call it. And I get and that. I, do, like, I think there's a version of the screenplay you could write where, especially like if his wife is going to turn on him, that he ends up having more of a romantic relationship um, with that lawyer character. But again, I kind of like that they don't go for that. Um, again, though, it's, it's, you're right. I'm, I'm not, even at the end of the movie, I'm not co- totally clear on what, what his relationship with his wife is like. It's like, is he going to leave her now that he knows that she turned on him as well? And like, it seems like now that he has the red belt, he could like be a much more successful trainer or at least be more well-known after that whole situation. And so it seems like he'll be okay. At the same time, though, he didn't win any of the prize money. And so I don't quite know what's happening with him with that, what's happening with him financially, it's kind of left with like, he won the red belt, which is like the belt of principle, basically. It's like, you you are the most principled guy or something in jiu-jitsu. And they like, said, I think they said it's like, it's worth, pay. like your points is still valid, yeah. I think they said it's worth like 200 or 250K, but um, like, I mean. I thought that was the championship belt though. Like, I don't know, the red belt he said is like, it's priceless or like, there's only one. No, no, no. I, I, I might have misunderstood, but I believe the red belt, they did say it was priceless. It's a national treasure. And then they said it's cost $250,000. Or maybe, or was that the prize money? Did I mistake that? Was the 250K the no, prize money? I, I thought the, like, what they were talking about was the championship belt that that guy had, even though he said he was going to throw the fight. I thought it was like, that's a different, like, that, that's like the martial arts, like, championship belt. And the red belt was like a separate, like a different thing. That was like my read, but we might like I could have been confused on the whole thing because it is a confusing movie. <laughs> well, it's not either way. I don't think the read is my read. It's not off too much either way. So whichever build it yeah, was, it's yeah. It, just yeah. Thanks the question. That's either way. <laughs> but then what? He's gonna sell it? Like who does he sell it to? Like a country? Yeah. Like I, I, I mean, again, my assumption was that he'd like put that up in his dojo and be like, "Who wants to train with the guy that won the red belt?" Is like that's kind of what I thought he was gonna do. Red belt two, the dojo. <laughs> um, I will like um, what, what's what's funny to me about this movie is um, usually like I love Mammoth screenplays, and I mean I do like a lot of the dialogue in this movie, but again he kind of overdoes himself in this. Like it's just too many plot points, too many subplots, too many like behind the scenes workings, uh, conning going on, and it just it doesn't. If the movie was simpler, yeah, I think it would have been a lot better because it's like it distracts you from the main kind of like morals of the movie and stuff. And so I think he used a little bit too many of his like kind of his, his little tricks of the trade inside this screenplay. And so normally I love that stuff from him. You know, if you watch Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, you know, it's like, I love all that stuff in the plot in that movie. And I love the dialogue in that movie, but it just works better in that kind of a thing than it does in this. And I, I think it should have just, he should have focused on the character a little bit more have you know have them put the squeeze on him financially to force him into the fight but you don't need to have the cop commit suicide you don't need to have all these kind of like things going behind the scenes that the viewer is not going to fully understand you know what i mean the woman shooting out the window at the beginning it's like just very it's yeah it almost made me believe like he didn't have confidence in either the story or like there's just so much there and your point I, there was a lot there. I just wish he had toned it down a bit and focused on some of the, the stronger aspects of the film. Um, yeah. Anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, and you get off your chest before we move into final scores. Um, I don't think. Yeah, I think we touched on everything. Uh, again, I was like, this is the first time I really recognized a GF4 for being a great actor, and you know, seeing him in stuff like Inside Man and some other movies. I think 
just a really, really underappreciated actor. Even still, I mean, I don't know if he gets the full credit he deserves. I think he's a really good actor. Me too. Well, he's going to be in the new Doctor Strange film, which I know you're super excited about, Seth. Wow. So don't worry. He's getting his press. I do, I do have two questions for you, though. Sure, sure. First, um, do you think Mike Terry ever had sex with his wife? <laughs> he, or, or is he the type of guy like he like has sex like once every three years like because he has to release his, his evil urges i would say i think they're like kind of at that point in their marriage where it's like you know it's not quite as hot and steamy as it once was but i'm sure that they i mean look they were both two great looking people i mean i'm sure it was good when they were doing it <laughs> i hope so i hope so that was yeah that, that was really it that, that was really the only question i was uh just, just curious oh uh one more thing, one other quick question. Uh, Alice Braga, the wife, Sandra, uh, needs money in a bind, goes to a loan shark instead of her shady brother who seems to have a ton of money. Like, I didn't get that. That was an odd move as well. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I also, it wasn't clear to me, like, I mean, maybe they don't have great credit, so she couldn't go to a bank, but it wasn't totally clear to me why she didn't go to a bank and just see if she can get a business loan. It's like, you seem to have a pretty good business plan here in terms of the fabric and, you know, doing this thing with this other, and like, it just didn't, it didn't seem like it, you needed to go to, to a loan shark to, to handle that. So it was just so, it was so out of left field and so dramatic. Or at least give me a scene where like you try to get a business loan and you get turned down and then you're kind of forced to do something else. But like, it was a, yeah, out of left field. Um, and so, yeah, again, just stuff in the plot like that that's just kind of thrown at the viewer and you're just going like, well, she went to a loan shark and now we're in this situation. And it's like, okay. Of course. Okay. Yeah, that's how we got here. <laughs> you, uh, any, anything else or should we move into final scores here, my man? Yeah, I'm ready for final scores. Um, I'll go first here. Um, I like, uh, again, I think a GF4 is kind of the, the shining star in the movie. Uh, I like most of the combat scenes. I like most of the performances. Like I, I you know, I like guys like Montaigne and Ricky J. Um, I liked Tim Allen. I thought it was good casting with the Tim Allen part. Um, uh, again, the, we kind of went over the weak part of the movie and just like all, all the different subplots and stuff that can really confuse the viewers. Some of it is intentionally confusing. Some of it is just like too confusing to make any sense. Um, and so that's probably where I'll deduct my point. I'm still going to give it a pretty good score though. Kind of like that, that critic you read. Um, again, it, it's surprisingly satisfying at the end. Um, and so I'm going to give it like a 7.0. Like it is a movie I do recommend to people, especially if they're kind of into like, you know, martial arts or physical movies like that and like combat movies and that kind of stuff. There's a realism aspect to it that I think is really cool. And the, yeah, just kind of the basic philosophical aspect that Mike has, I, I think is like just interesting to think about as him as a character. And so I'm going to give it a 7.0. I like that. I'm, I'm coming in close. Uh, I'm coming in at like 6, 7. It's like a little bit of a flex there. You could push that up or down. Um, yeah, I mean, I, we've pretty much said everything. It's both overstuffed and underbaked, and yet still very, still satisfying. Which is uh, uh, that's a difficult thing to pull off. And like for me, I just think I, I think the cast, really mainly a Gia Four as the lead, uh, really make up for the somewhat mediocre script. Uh, but that's the script is mediocre, but the dialogue is great. It just, it's a very interesting mix of yeah. strengths and weaknesses. But as I said, I always talk about films being more than the sum of its parts. This is the one time where I see more bad than good. And yet still it's coming out. It's coming out good for me. That's why I'm giving it a six, seven. Uh, yeah. And for me, the, the, 
other than those leads, you asked me to, if I wanted him to another tournament. And I did say, like, I, I would like to see that movie. I really like that aspect of this film. Like, that is something, that is a subversion, at least for me as an audience member, that, that I thought was really smart. And it works to the overall, that philosophy of the film. It brings it back to that opening, that opening yeah. thing. And so I really like that. And for me, uh, it has a, a lot to say. And I think for the most part of uh, the film, it, I, I like what it's saying. So, yeah, a couple high scores there. There you go. Yeah. Fun movie to watch. Is what I would say. Yeah, definitely recommend. I'm sorry, definitely recommend. Yeah, I mean it's it's not that long, and you'll be once you're once you're watching, you'll be I feel like engaged. It it does suck you in pretty early, and so yeah, I agree with that aspect. But then when you think about everything that happened, you're just like, what? It is so strange. At at one point, like towards the end of the movie, you'll be like, why did they even have that opening scene with the window? And then it comes back, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting film, but worth watching for sure. Seth, you want to say goodbye to your friends? Goodbye, friends. Goodbye.